Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. If someone asked you to sum up the Christian life in just a few words, if someone asked you to describe that, what the essence of Christianity is, I think really it's just two words. It's a love affair. Above all else, the Christian life is a love affair of the heart. That's what it is. And, and we're created as an object of God's love. God made you to love you. And he created every single human being for the purpose of having a relationship with God, to be able to experience his love, to be able to share in his love, to be able to love others and love yourself in that, in that relationship. So today, we're starting a short three-part series called Love Is. Look at the person next to you and say, Love Is. When you think about love is, think about God is love, and he gives us the opportunity to experience his love. So today, I want to ask you to stand with me, and we are going to read the greatest two commandments it is that sums up the entirety of the law, the Torah, the five books of Moses. And I want to ask you, if you would, to read this with me out loud, and those of you online can do the same to be able to do this. Let's read this together in Matthew 22, beginning with verse 37. It says here, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. God, thank you for summing it up for us. I pray, God, today that everyone will just open their hearts and their minds, God, to what love really is as we dive into it and, and see from you, God, what it is in action. So we pray, God, just speak to hearts, save hearts, and when we leave here, God, we can say, man, it's been good to be in your house today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Look at the person next to you and say, let's get into the Word. So. When I read this, and you see this, the entirety of this series is we're going to talk today about loving God. Next week, it's going to be about loving others. Next week, it's going to be about loving yourself. So to do this and fulfill our primary purpose in life, we have first and foremost got to learn to love God and then let God love us. When you look at what he says here, when you think about being able to love God with all of your heart and your soul, that's where it comes from your passion. You do this passionately in your, in, from everything in the deep-seated being of who you are. When you do that with your mind and your strength, you're not only doing that thoughtfully from your mind, but you're doing it practically with your life, with all of your abilities. See, when you look at your life, there's three things that God cannot get from you unless you're willing to give it to him. That is your attention, your affection, and your abilities. Because God made all of us as free moral agents, I will say. He gives you free will to do what you want to do in this life. He's not going to make you love him. So why is it that we struggle in this free will to be able to truly love God, love others, and love ourselves? Because the problem is in the world, it's called a pleasure problem. So what do you mean? See, we live in a pleasure-focused world. Pleasure is good, but when it becomes our focus alone, it becomes an idol. It becomes another god. Solomon clearly spelled it out, and he broke it down for us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2. See, Solomon here, imagine Solomon. If anybody could enjoy pleasure, he could. He was not a multi-multi-millionaire, but in the terms of his riches, he was a multi-multi-billionaire. He was a man that had anything that he wanted. If my memory serves me correctly, he had all the things he could ever want. He had 300 wives, but yet in the problem, he still had 300 mother-in-laws. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, he talks about even out of all the things that he could have and what he could do, what does he say? He said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found this, that this too was meaningless. 
That's why I said laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? You know what Solomon is saying here? He said the things he sought out for in the pleasure aspect of life, they left him frustrated. They left him basically being, feeling that he was just totally dissatisfied, really made him cheated in his life. What's happening in our world today and what's happening in particular in our society, our society is making the seven deadly sins into a virtues. So we've turned basically the covetousness of an institution, we've turned, we call it, the advertising business. We covet everything that we see. We chop down the Ten Commandments away from what we can have in public displays in a lot of places. And now we're hungering back for that because it's not fulfilling to be able to live the way we want to in the pleasure aspect. See, instant pleasure and gratification is where that we're living in this year of 2021. We are still unfulfilled though. Would you agree with me on that? Why is it we're unfulfilled? Because God, when He created us, He created us with this God-shaped hole in our heart. And we continually keep stuffing things into our life that does not fulfill us. See, anyone's lack of hunger for God isn't because God is unsavory. It's because we keep stuffing our lives with junk. I don't know about you, but here are a couple of things you're thinking about stuffing stuff in your lives, just junk food. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes, right here is a great orange, and right here is chocolate cupcakes, cream-filled. Man, oh, man, oh, man. So, when you look at these right here, and you look at this, this orange right here has about 60 calories. These two cupcakes has 432. <laughs> this orange right here has good carbohydrates, but just a few. This one has terrible carbohydrates at the tune of 66, Okay. So let me ask you this, which one of these are better for you to put in your mouth for long sustenance and nutritional value? The orange, raise your hand if the orange is. Or is it this, raise your hand. Which one, did you, do, which one do you sometimes migrate toward more than the other? Right? Yeah. But I tell you this much, if you had a truckload of oranges or any other kind of fruit, or you had a truckload of all kinds of these things here, which one's going to sustain your life? I think we can all agree. This good food to stuff your soul with is what's going to give you long nutritional value. Someone can have that because I'll never eat it when I get done with it since I'll be done with it here. But anyway, with that being said, I want you to think from this perspective. When you look at your life and you think about what we're stuffing our lives with, we try to enjoy the gifts a lot of times in life that God has given us. But if you're not careful, you won't enjoy the giver of the gifts. So we end up, because of our free will, we're putting junk into our lives. And you know what? It causes our appetite for God to grow dim. We get content with junk that we call pleasures rather than the joy that comes from God alone. Now this causes an issue. Has it been a while in your own personal life, and you answer your own question for your own soul, has it been a while since you've really had this insatiable hunger and desire for God? Maybe, whatever it may be, you've been stuffing yourself with power and possessions. You've been stuffing yourself with all kinds of pleasures and, and you're just void. Basically, you're spiritually and nutritionally sick. There isn't any nourishment a lot of times in things that we stuff our lives with the wrong things. But here's what I will say. When you stuff your life with sin, when you get yourself caught up in the different things that you know that are wrong, for a person that knows to do wrong, to him it is sin. James is very clear about that. But there isn't any nourishment in things stuffing your life with a lot of times when it's the wrong things. But do we reject the fact that God has given us good things to enjoy? in life, and we should not do anything, however, just to pursue God. Listen, if you're not careful in that mindset, on the flip side of it, you can become an ascetic person who abstains from all pleasure. God gives us good things to enjoy, but some people become ascetic to the point that they're practicing religious behavior and they're void of any passion or void of any joy. And we become more and more like the Pharisees that Jesus witnessed. How many absolutely miserable, 
grumpy, obnoxious, but totally dedicated churchgoers do you know? How many of you know a few? I mean, man, they're mad about loving Jesus for some reason, the way they act. If you understand what I am saying by that, they're living life void of passion. They're living life void of joy. And loving God isn't about rejecting the good things that God has given us, the gift He's given us, but it's not it's not there to be able to take the place of the giver of the one that gives the good gifts. We want to have a relationship with him. So when we love God, loving God should be as natural as you and I breathing and living out that love. That's what God has made us to be able to do. Maybe you're struggling in that today. You know God is love and you have an idea of what love is. But maybe you need to hunger for hunger for God in your life. So when you think about expressing our love to God, expressing our love to God can really be summed up in word and word and it's called worshiping. It's when we give the giver of all gifts of life worship in our lives. And some people might be thinking, you might be thinking, I thought worship is what we do here at Freedom Church at 9.15 and 11 a.m. No, no, no. Worship is not a ritual. Worship is not a routine. It's not something that we just do on Sunday. For some people, when you think about worship and you're trying to get worth to something, when it comes to expressing that words of I love you to somebody, it can be really tough at times, especially if you grew up in a way that you did not express your emotion. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know for guys, it's one of the last three-letter words we want to say to a woman when we're in the dating competition mode. <laughs> I remember when Shannon and I started dating, we had been dating about a month and then we started arguing. Is that normal? Pretty well. About a month, you start arguing with one another. We went to church on a given Sunday, and I remember it just like today. And for some reason, man, we just started arguing with one another, been dating about a month. And then I just, we went up from church over to my parents' house, and we were arguing so uh, much that I said, I'm just going to take you home. So what's that? Taking you home. So we headed out, and we was headed toward her house. And I can take you on the same trek, the same road, within just a few feet to where this took place. She looked over at me and she said, but I think I love you. And I broke it. I said, I think I love you too. And I boo-hooed. And so we've been loving each other for over 31 years since that moment. We spent the evening together and been together ever since. Praise God. But if you're not careful, you'll end up being a person aware that you don't really know how to express love to your children. You don't know how to express love maybe to your spouse or to your uh, friend that means a lot to you or, or somebody that's been there for you in life, especially when it comes to God. Why is that? Because of living in a non-expressive nature. I remember my father. My father passed away in 2015, but I remember my girls as they grew up. My girls would say, I love you. They called him Papa. They said, I love you, Papa. And he'd say, okay. Because he just didn't really know how to reciprocate. It was probably later in life before I ever knew my father telling me that he loved me. See, a lot of times people are taught to stuff down the emotions. People are taught that whenever maybe you've been hurt, you don't want to be hurt again. Expressing our love to God is something that we not only need to do individually, but it's something we need to do as a church family. How many of you here, and I'm talking to the Christians, if you're, if you're not a Christian yet, that's great. I'm glad you're here. You can lean out, check your social media, whatever for a second. But if you're a Christian and a believer here, how many of you ever remember a certain time at Freedom Church that you came and, man, you just remember the Spirit moving and it brought you to a point that you were just overwhelmed with the love of God. You're overwhelmed to the point that you could feel His presence, you could feel His power. It maybe brought you to a point that you were lifting holy hands unto God or maybe you, you clapped unto God or maybe you began to weep and tears come down your face. Today, as I share with you, and I pray that you're going to stay engaged with me, but the goal of today is that you're not only going to truly feel the love of Almighty God more than ever before, but I pray that you're really going to learn to express love to God more than ever before. There's a few things I want to share with you. First and foremost, it seems so simplistic, but it's by singing to Him. Singing to Him. You're thinking, really? Singing? Yes, I'm talking about singing to Him. I'm talking about when you're out here in the seat, man, you get lost in your moment singing to Almighty God. You're singing and you're clapping. And you're 
lifting holy hands unto God. If you can't get excited about Jesus and you go this afternoon and get excited about one of the Super Bowl teams, then there's something wrong with the love. Are you with me? You follow what I'm telling you? We can get excited about a football team, but we can't get excited about the God who gives you a heartbeat, the God who gives you breath of life, the God has given you everything in your life. There's a problem with that, church. So it's just simply singing to him. You say, well, what do you mean? Singing comes from your soul. And did you know that, that there's more songs written about Jesus Christ than any other subject in the world? Did you know that? See, Christianity is a singing faith. Why is that? Because it's about a love affair of the heart that Christians have in their relationship with God. God loves you so much that he sent his only son. He came down the stairway of heaven. He came here, was born of a virgin Mary. He put on skin. He walked among men for 33 years, and he was tempted every way that we're tempted, yet he never sinned, and he became sin for us so that he could build a bridge back to our Father in heaven because that bridge was torn apart in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And that sin came upon humanity. So when you come into a relationship with him, he loved you first. He just simply wants you and me to love him back. Psalm 147 and 7 says, sing out your thanks to the Lord. Sing praises to our God. See, singing and praising God. Let it out. That's what he's saying do here, the psalmist. Psalm 66 and 8. Let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing his praises. Psalm 95 and 1, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. And I know some of you, I know what you're thinking right now, and you're pushing back on me. You're saying, Rock, can you sing, Pastor? That's why the Word of God also says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> You don't worry about who's around you and what they're doing. It's between you and your father, Papa, that I'm giving praise to him. I'm honoring him. I'm clapping to him. I'm lifting holy hands to him because I'm blessed beyond measure that I got to come and worship God today, especially in a corporate sense. It's important that we understand that today. Some of you probably, you don't mean to do this, but people do this. They intentionally come late to Freedom Church. Oh, Pastor, I, I just come for the preaching. I come from the Word of God. Big mistake. Big mistake that you would make. And if you did that in your life, you need to worship through songs and music. It inspires you. That's what music and songs do. It inspires you. It refreshes you. It rejuvenates you. It revitalizes you. And we all need to be able to get involved and let go and sing out praises under our God. That's so important. Now, can you worship God more than worshiping God at church? Absolutely. Last night, Shannon and I were on the back porch, and I have this fire pit thing that I have, you know, and I start this fire pit thing up, and man, we're sitting there, and we're listening to this Will Graham live, Billy Graham's grandson, and we're listening to Aaron Schust, and we're listening to... to uh, uh, Rhett Walker, and man, they're worshiping. We're out there just singing uh, all these songs we're doing. And I'm listening to my wife beside me singing. My wife's got the most beautiful voice. She sings like a heavenly angel. And we're just sitting there worshiping Jesus. It was wonderful. You can worship him anywhere. It's a position of your heart, of what you're doing, to express your love for him everywhere you go, whether it's in the shower or whether you're driving down the road. But listen, do not underestimate the power of us coming together to be able to worship God here. As a Christian, when you come to church, you're not only here to receive a word from the Lord, but you're here to give honor and praise to the Lord. We don't just gather to hear a message and a word from the Lord, but also we gather to express our love for God Almighty. Why is that? Because we're better together. Look at the person closest to you and say, we're better together. You imagine how God is saying, look at them down there worshiping. Get Jesus. He took J.C. Look. And you're just giving praise unto God. So I asked you, how often do you sing thanks to the Lord? On a regular basis? Uh, every now and then. Or rarely. How would you hypothetically say rate yourself? Something else is important for you to understand with God is that by talking with God, that's another way of expressing to Him 
adoration and praise and love. See, communication is the key to life. It's the key to a marriage. It's the key to your relationships. It's the key to deep soul communication with God. If you're not careful, when your relationships can grow, when you do that, if it doesn't, it's going to decay depending on the level of communication that you have. The same is true in our relationship with God. Having a deep, significant talk with God each day and doing it multiple times a day will grow your relationship. And if you don't do it, it's going to decay. I remember vividly when Shannon and I first fell in love. See, for those of you of the younger demographic, we've not always had cell phones, but we had phones. And you know what? I remember with mom and dad, I said, you got to upgrade the cord. He's saying, what are you talking about? You got to get a 30-foot cord, mom. Dad, this just ain't working. And you say, what do you mean? They had this cord that went off the edge of the phone and hung on the wall. So we got the real long cord so we could talk to them and stretch it all the way to the bedroom. And you get to talk to them. But we didn't always talk. Sometimes we wasn't talking. We'd just be breathing on each other. One of us, one of us to say, did you fall asleep? No, I didn't fall asleep. Oh, okay. Just breathing on each other. You know. You can think it's weird, but that's what I did because I didn't love her, man. I was in love. I always tell Shanda, I look at her, and you can ask her this. I look at her. She's not here, so she can't get me. So anyway, um, she was at the first service. Anyway, I always say, did I tell you? She'll say, what? I said, I'm in love with you. When's the last time you told God that? God, did I tell you? God, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. So it's all about, in that love relationship, getting to know God. If your husband or your wife never talks to you, then you have the right to wonder, do they love me? Do they love me? Husbands, I will pick on you because I am a man. Talk to your wives. After over two decades of ministry, one of the number one problems that I've had with counseling with couples that were on the brink of divorce is the lack of a man communicating and talking to his wife. It's important. Express your love to God like you're talking to your best friend in prayer. You know, it's so funny. You've heard the King James people, the, the King James prayers. It's funny. I can talk to people. Next thing you know, I go to some church and I grew up in... Dear Heavenly Father, how is thee today? I mean, they just start, I come to thee, and, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, they don't talk, wait a minute, no, 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 nothing wrong, and there's nothing wrong with people doing that, but that's not how you talk to one another. When you're going to talk to God, you just talk to Him about everything like we talk to one another. You talk to Him about your hopes and your fears and your dreams and the things that's causing you anxiety. You talk to Him about the things that you're proud of in life, and sometimes you talk to things about you're embarrassed of in life. You talk about the things you're ashamed of, or you talk to Him about the hurts that's anguishing you so much, or you talk to God about your goals and the things you care about and your ambitions in every part of your life. That's what you talk to God about. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Listen, if you feel you're not close to God, then guess who moved? You're not close to God. Begin to talk to him more often because prayer is a privilege. We get to talk to the creator of the universe. Prayer is something we also do in a community aspect. In the Bible, you will see all through the books of Acts how that the Christians, the people of the way, gather together to be able to gather for prayer, for intercession, to be able to talk to God, search for God, get comfort from God. And that's the same thing we do even today in our small groups. And I hope and pray that you're jumping in a small group. we got a plethora of great groups to be a part of. Jump in there because we want you as you're in a group to make prayer a priority. So when you think about talking to God, how do you rate yourself today? I mean, when you think about it, how are you expressing your love to God in prayer? Regularly? Occasionally? Or maybe it's just hit you, it's rare. So not only do we sing and we talk to God, but also another way to express our love to Him is by, is by listening. 
See, I've often said we have two ears and, and one mouth. And, and listening is one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone in your life. Listening is saying to someone in your life, you matter to me. Your opinion matters to me. And the same is true with God. Not only talking to God, but listening to God. It's very important. You just don't want to live a life to where you say, hey, God, it's me. Bless me. I'm away. See ya. <laughs> you know, he's thinking, whoa, wait a minute. That's something something I need to tell you. You missed it. It's important to set aside a time in your life for God and your relationship. And it's like I told a friend of mine the other day, I always tell people, start with five minutes. Five minutes. And a great time to do it is like Jesus gave us the example. He got along with his father early in the morning. It's a great time. You're not facing the day yet, but you're getting strength in the private heart and changes of your life for what you may face on a day that you have no idea what you're going to face in a given day. So I challenge you in that. Are you setting aside a time with God? But not only that, to setting aside the time that you're here today. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here today. Isn't that awesome? Why is that? Leviticus 23 and 3. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. See, church isn't to be optional, but it is a spiritual must because when you come here, I'll assure you if you're looking for it, God has a word for you today. That's what he has for you. It's so important that you understand that. The verse goes on to say this, it says, it is the Lord's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. Now, some people say, well, why don't I ever hear from God, Pastor? You know, I understand, I, I just, sometimes I just don't seem like I can hear from God. Maybe you haven't taken the time. Maybe you, you're running at breakneck speed and you haven't hit the pause button. Maybe for your life, a reason you can't hear God is because you live fast and furious. That would make a good movie, but um, you live fast, you live furious, you're busy. Just haven't made room for God. Maybe you need to turn the technology off in your life. You're saying, well, Pastor, can you help me? How does God speak to us? Primarily, God speaks to us through the Word. God wants to give you a Word through the Word for your life and, and where you're at if you're looking for it. He's going to help you to be able to speak to you through trials that you're going through, through experiences taking place in your life. God will give you a Word for your life and speak to you through other people. This is when God speaks the loudest if you're listening. There's people around you. There might be a step or two down the road with Christ than you are. you got to look for that. He'll speak through the Word primarily. He'll speak through people, all these different things. He speaks loud to us. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, without good direction, people lose their way. Agree with that? Right? It says, the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Okay? Through impressions, God will impress things on your heart through situations and people in the Word. Okay? But here's something I want you to understand. When God gives you an awesome idea or direction in your life, you always test it with the Word of God. Don't tell me it's God's will if it don't line up with God's Word. Think about that. It's so true to be able to do that. John 10 and 14, listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. They listen to my voice. So let me ask you something. How often do you pause in a given day to listen to God? Once, twice, 10 times? Do you pause regularly? Occasionally. But you realize it's really, really rare. Another way that we can express our love to God is through publicly identifying with God. You say, oh, help me understand what you're saying. I'm here at church today. I thought I was, no, no, listen to what I'm saying. Not being ashamed of him when you leave here. Not being ashamed. Of, you can come in here and sing, oh, I love Jesus, but are you loving Jesus in the same way as you leave the parking lot and go into your home? Are you doing that when you go to your work? Are you doing that with friends and neighbors? If you keep God to yourself, you don't really love God. I know that's hard. 
Look at Matthew 5 and the message it says here. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Look at the person next to you and say, shine. <laughs> It'd be like this. Here's a good way to express it. How do you think it would be with my wife, Shanda, if 31 years ago, I approached her like this and said, Shanda, I love you. I want to marry you. And I want us to be committed to each other, but... Sweetie, let's keep it our little secret. We're committed to each other, but when we're in public, we're going to pretend we don't even know each other. You know what I would have expected of her if I'd have said that? I would have expected her to look at me and go, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know? Listen to what Jesus says about being ashamed of him. In Mark 8, he says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days. How many of you agree with me that we're living in adulterous and sinful days? Are you with me? I think we all agree. A lot of people are missing the mark in these days. It says the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You can't say you love Jesus and be ashamed of him at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. There's two very powerful symbols that we can public, publicly identify with the Lord, and that's communion and baptism. When you think about communion, we did it last week. Uh, Jesus died for us, and he did three things when he died for us. He saved us from the penalty of sin. He saved us from the power of sin. And he also, when he saved us, when we get to heaven, there will be no presence of sin there. So when you think about doing communion, you're remembering together what Jesus did for those that publicly have professed their faith in him and been born again in their heart, have their name in his book. We have an attitude of gratitude. Communion is not for everybody. You cannot celebrate a king that you do not know in your heart. If you're not there yet, we're so glad you're here. You keep checking out until you cross that line of faith and you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus paid for three things in my life and in yours. He paid for our forgiveness, He paid for our freedom, and He paid for our future. And so Jesus also took the cup that night. And when he took that cup that night, he said, this is how much I love you. When he stretched his arms out on a cross after he was beat profusely, went through six trials, and they beat him to the point of unrecognition of his life, and he died for us. That's love in action. Paul describes the communion process and what it took place that he passed on, and 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 26, I love what it says. It says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. See, Jesus has the power to change our lives. Jesus has the power to be able to do that, to be able to turn failures into successes, to be able to turn a person that's a coward into the confident person that he can be. He turns a person that is selfish and prideful into people that have a loving, gentle, humble nature. He can turn a drug addict into a very responsible citizen. He can turn a wife beater into a loving, gentle husband. I could go on and on and on. That's what Jesus does. How many of you would say here at Freedom Church that Jesus has changed your life? Would you, would you raise your hand and give him glory? Give him praise. Give him praise today. He deserves it. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because let me tell you something about our church family. We're not here to impress anybody. We're not here to go through rituals. We're not here to make up programs. And we're not here just to have a good time. But we're here so that we know that Jesus has changed our lives. He changes human behavior. He's saving souls which society needs. That's why we celebrate communion. What he's done for us, but also it's baptism. See, baptism is another way to identify yourself as a believer. When you're born again, it is your next step. And some people think, Pastor, I don't understand that deal of getting wet for God. I just don't get it. Listen to this. This breaks it down really good in Romans 6 in the message. It says, when we went, when we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life and a new land. 
That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. See, the first reason we're going to be baptized is because we believe in the resurrection and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's because you have poured your heart out to God. You have poured out to Him and asked Him for forgiveness of your sins. You have asked Him to save your soul. He, you are being born again. You have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus was baptized at 30 years old. He said, this is how you do it. This is the example that I'm giving you. But another reason that you do it is because in your life, you are dying out to the old way of life. Look at Colossians 2 here. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Done. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Basically forgiven and forgotten, cast the sins as far as the east is to the west. But the third reason that you're baptized, it symbolizes your new life in Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians 3. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It's also involves dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Man, I don't know if you're excited about this, but I am. Because I want to publicly identify with him. And when you think about baptism, if you say you love Jesus Christ and that he has saved your soul, you tell me that you have been born again. If you haven't followed him in the most basic act of baptism, why not? How can you say you love him if you're not willing to do the very first command beyond your salvation that he asks you to do? So here's an opportunity for you. We're having a baptism on Easter Sunday morning, April 4th at 7.30 here at the church. And I would be honored, and our pastors together would be honored to baptize you. That's your next step beyond salvation. To go publicly identify with your family and your friends and maybe co-workers. Basically a big jacuzzi for Jesus to say, this is who I live for now. The old person is gone. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you to sign up for it. All you got to do is take online. All you got to do is just sign up online there. Say, I want to be baptized. We'll follow up with you. Here, just take a card out of the back seat. Say, baptism. Give us your name, a follow-up number, email. We will follow up with you and we will let you know what it's all about and answer all of your questions. Listen, it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commandment. Be baptized. Fifth thing is, is by being committed to God. That's how that we can express our love for God. So you think about our commitments as individuals and people of God have made commitments also corporately with God. See, love is really about commitment. Now, you don't really love somebody unless you're committed to their best. You follow me on that? You don't really love them. Commitment determines your future because you become what you're committed to in your life. Weak people in life, they are defined by their circumstances. Strong people in life are defined by their commitments. Look at Romans 12. Look at Romans 12 and 1, what it says here. It says, basically, in the message, it says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, okay? That's all of us. Place it before God as an offering. Embrace what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So when it comes to you being a person that's committed to God, you do a wholehearted checkup on your life. Would you say you're really 100% committed to God on a regular basis. You say, you know, I admit it's just, it's just occasional. Maybe God's convicting you with His Spirit and saying, let's be real, child. It's rare. The last thing is this. We can express our love to God is by giving to God. Acts 4, listen to the Acts of the Apostles, what they say here. It says, all the believers are united into one heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. 
because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. When you look at the example of these first century Christians, when you look at what they were doing, how did they really, by their actions, spell love? It spelled love, G-I-V-E. Giving at its core is the essence of love. And could you imagine what would happen as a church that everybody here gave their time and they gave their treasures, that is your tithes and your arms. Could you imagine how if we got serious about it, the difference that we could make in this community and beyond? 2 Corinthians 8, listen to what Paul said here. He said, but since you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. See, God tests the sincerity of your love by looking at your giving. Now, God doesn't need my time and money, nor yours. But what does he need? He needs our heart. He needs our heart. He wants your giving to be able to represent two different things. But one of them is the only choice. There's two different things it represents. First and foremost, when you think about it, to become like God, you become a generous giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Or it's like Satan, if you're not careful in his temptations. You become a stingy hoarder. See, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are cheerful givers and there are fearful givers. The cheerful giver says, I'm going to give to God. It all belongs to him because I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for him. And then the fearful giver says, you know, I just can't afford to do this. I just don't have time in my calendar. I can't afford to be able to give any kind of money. I, I just can't do that. I've got to protect me and myself as interests and all those kind of things. It's either cheerful or it's fearful. Like God, like the enemy, the devil, you have a choice. You make the decision. At the close of every service at Freedom Church, we always ask people to bring tithes and offerings because that's what we do here. Very biblical. We ask you to do it out of obedience. And it's not a time to say, okay, God, it's time to tip you. You know, it's going to tip you, God. No, no, no. If that's your attitude, I'll just be honest with you, just forget it. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want it anyway. Giving is another act of worship, just like singing, just like praying, just like listening, just like thanking Him in every other aspect of our lives. Understand this. It's saying that, God, I love you so much that I want to give back. So today, when you think about the area of giving in your lifestyle, when you look at your calendar, how much time are you giving God? When you look at the registry of your finances, how much are you giving to God? Since God sees it, and it truly is a representation of how much that you love Him. So is that something you do in your giving lifestyle? Is it, is it something you do regularly? Or just being honest, it's occasional, or maybe it's rarely. The bottom line to it is, many ways to it, there's just all kinds of ways to express our love to God. I've just touched on a few of them, but it's our entire being when we come to God that makes the difference. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use our feet. He wants to use our ears, our nose, our face, our mouth, every part of us to be able to love God because he first loved us. So let me ask you this question. How well does God know that you love him today? Because here's what I will tell you. Because his love for you is so much deeper than you could ever imagine. What if we gave back our best to him? Would you like to worship to this song together? You can stand if you wish.
cannot ever, ever do anything to repay you for truly how deep your love is for each of us. But it is through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have been blessed beyond measure for the love that we get to experience because of what your Son, Jesus, did for each of us. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that they will seek you, God, in every way possible to show you by their actions that they love you with their entire being and they want to do their best for you. Pour your love on each one here, God. May they experience it right now. May they just know the presence and the power of your spirit. And God, may they know, God, that that relationship can grow and can further the kingdom through each one because of the examples of love that we share in a world that needs you so bad. Thank you, Lord. You loved us first. Find us faithfully loving you back. How many of you here as we continue in this mode of prayer will lift your hand and say, you know, God today has touched my heart. He's revealed some things to me and how I can love him better. Would you just lift your hand to God today? There's some ways that I know that he touched me and I need to love him better. God bless you. God bless you for every hand that went up. Let's pray to him and you ask him to give you the strength to do so. Father, right now, thank you, God, for each one that lifted their hand, God, and I pray, God, that you would just bless them, God, with the fervor and the strength from you, God, to be able to love you more every day. Maybe you're here and you're online or you're in this auditorium and you feel the touch of Almighty God and that's why you're here today. That's why God is touching you because you chose to take this moment in your time and your life to be able to hear the word of Almighty God. And you feel him touching your soul and if you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life, he's not the Lord at all in your life. 
what he wants to be. So right now, if you feel that conviction in your soul of the things you've done wrong in your life, that's God's spirit saying, I want to come into your heart and I want to forgive you and your prayer is what will make that difference. If you just pour your heart out to him and say, Lord, I invite you into my life. I open my soul to you. You see everything, God. I believe in you. I want to receive you. I want to be your child. Just tell him to, in your words, in your way, please forgive me of my sins, things I've done wrong. Thank you for coming and dying for me and resurrecting for me. Just tell him, say, Lord, save me. My life is yours. If you pray that, it's not words from your mouth, but sincerity of your soul. You meant it. You've been born again, and you'll know it because of the peace of Almighty God. It sweeps through your soul that he gives you that peace. He gives you that purpose. He gives you that joy. He gives you what nothing in this world will ever satisfy. If that's you today, thank him right where you're at. And he will give you the power of his Holy Spirit to lead you in this life. This is the beginning. Your decision determines your destiny. Give glory to him as angels are rejoicing in heaven. Father, right now, thank you, God, for souls that you touch and souls that you save. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. Thank you for the privilege we have to love you back because you first loved us. And we give you praise and glory for what love really is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give our great God a praise today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you received Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what he has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to, and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5, and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.